Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour, the hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I've got double magic for you today. I've got witches, authors, and pagan couple, Phoenix LaFay and Guion Raven. They write books together, they write books separately, and they are fabulous. You are going to love them. But before I bring them on, where's Patty? Where's Patty? Because if I don't look it up, I just don't know. So if you are watching or listening to this on the day we first drop, which is Monday, May 1st, 2023, happy Beltane. Happy Beltane. It's May Day. Dance around a maypole. It's time to celebrate spring, flowers, clean up a park, clean up a beach, um, jump a bale fire. That's what you do. It's, it's where the bunnies and the Easter eggs come from on Easter. They borrowed it from Beltane. So have a beautiful Beltane. I am here in LA for the week. I actually just got back from Copper Queen in Bisbee, Arizona, which I'm sure it was fabulous five days there at this haunted, haunted, beautiful um, hotel with lots of ghosts. So just got back from that. Um, if you are in town, Tuesday, I will be teaching group readings instead of a regular class. Like if you're going, well, I've never had Patty do a private reading for me. Um, I'm not sure I want that. I do group readings and it's really affordable and we're all together. Everybody gets a, gets a reading that's appropriate for the group. So I'm doing that Tuesday. If you're interested, check out universitymagicus.com or magicu.org. Wednesday, I am teaching another class with my partner in the school, Father Sebastian. We are teaching a class on the goddess Isis. So if you've ever been drawn to the goddess Isis, we're going to be class all about her on Wednesday. Also on Wednesday, just before the class, of course, which is Movie Coven. So I don't know what movie we're talking about, but we'll be advertising it. So we talk all about witches in movies. And who are we? We are witches talking about witches in movie. Heather Green, who wrote the literal Bible on witches in movies book. Richard Leal Lillard, Jason Mankey, Courtney Buckley, and myself, and you, because you guys get to be right in with it, live chat room. So tell us what you think of, we've done everything from, um, well, everything from Wizard of Oz to the craft movies, to the old ones, to the good ones, to the bad ones, to the Disney witches. So um, check us. It's six o'clock Pacific time, nine o'clock Eastern Wednesday, live on YouTube and social media. So join us for that. And for all of these things I'm talking about, if you need the matching merch, go to mysterycontrol.com because for the Witches Movie Coven, you can get a nice big blankie to wrap yourself in as you have your popcorn. For me, Mystery Control, I am launching those Patty Power Panties and every wardrobe needs one. Magic in every pair, a spell every time you put them on for love, for money, for success, for inspiration, for intuition, for protection. Everybody needs some power panties. Um, coming up, I am home for a couple weeks, May 25th through 28th. I will be in the Dallas area at Miracles of Joy in Louisville, one of my favorite places. It's kind of a weekend of workshops and seances and galleries and one-on-one -on -one readings. So look up Miracles of Joy. Um, 
it's on all my lists and social media. And then right after that, June 2nd and 3rd, it's going to be the second annual Pacific Coast Paracon in Ventura. My friend Stefan Brigatti, who also teaches at my school, one of the best paranormal investigators out there, who also happens to work at a very haunted old theater from the 1930s, and that's where the convention's going to be. So all sorts of great things coming up. So check out University Magicus, check out Paraflix if you're looking for, you just can't watch me all the time. And maybe you've already seen everything on <laughs> Discovery Channel and um, Travel Channel. Check out paraflix.com, all streaming all the time, all things paranormal, adding more horror, adding more spirituality, adding more podcasts. You can see a video version of me doing there on paraflix.com. And there is a code, um, Patty 25 that you can get 25% off and it's only $3.99 a month anyway. Um, and of course, University Magic, the most affordable spirituality school out there. And you get a video of every class you take. So if you happen to fall asleep, you won't. <laughs> you get a video the next day. So anyway, that's Where's Patty. And uh, hope to see you at one of these places online or in life. everybody guess what time it is it is time for willow's bath it is time for the willow report with her sister making a guest appearance miss grace um as we're talking about spring and my husband and i are trying to get on a health kick we're actually trying to get willow and grace on a health kick too um though we're really oh there's our yawn grace diddly doesn't want to play grace look wait grace look hi just look at the world she just bit me. Ow. Okay, Grace, goodbye. Okay, we're back to the Willow River. <laughs> she bit me. She's crazy. She is crazy. Um, anyway, we are really good with Willow as a rule. She doesn't eat people food. She eats really healthy dog food. She has her play dates all the time. But we did notice she's a little porkiness. So because she is training for the Wiener Nationals, which you guys all know, we're trying to cut back her food a little. So we decided we'd bake for the whole family. Huh, Willow? She's like, no, I don't like this plan at all. We feed her well. We feed her enough. But it is Hollywood after all. So that's the Willow report. She's probably hungry right now. But believe me, she eats really good. And now that she's getting her play dates again, she could get a little bit more and rambunctious. But she's just not going to cooperate with the camera whatsoever, is she? There we go. Look at those pretty black eyes. That's the Willow Report. We lost Grace. She bit me. What do you do? Okay, for this week's magic lesson, we're going to talk about one of the major eight Sabbaths, Beltane. Why? Because today is Beltane. If you are watching this again or listening on May 1st, that is May Day. It is the time you carry, little girls carry around flowers. You dance around a maypole. You frolic in the woods. You jump over bale, bale fires. You set up the year and a magical, beautiful creative, fertile, sexy, fun way. The family-friendly most celebrations. Um, the tradition thing you do, actually that is where the, the bunnies and the colored eggs of Easter come from. They just borrowed it from Beltane because it was around the same time of year. And to get to know the new religion, they brought in a bunch of the old religion. But it is a time about 
fertility and creativity and celebration. So yes, if you could, I'm building a maypole in my backyard right now with some of the bamboo from my tree and some ribbons and you dance around it um, and celebrate life, music. And yes, I'm going to build a little bonfire that we are going to jump over and make wishes for the new coming year. But maybe besides colorful flowers in your home and colorful food, because we are coming into spring, maybe because it is about earth, do something a little extra this year, like do a beach cleanup, go to a community garden, go to your garden, do some planting. Um, I don't know. I found that the years that I've, in addition to my ritual work and my magic work, and here's my altar with bunnies and eggs and magical goddesses all over it. When we did a neighborhood cleaning up the other day, what better way to celebrate? Take care of our beautiful Mother Earth. So happy Beltane, happy May Day. However you celebrate it, celebrate life and joy and laughter and music and dance around a maple. That's your magic lesson. Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the witching hour. Yes, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I have double, double magic for you today. Indeed, I have a fabulous witchy couple. I have Phoenix LaFay and Guion Raven, um, both authors, both prolific in all their work and what they do and in their life and the lifestyle. Um, so without further ado, Further ado, let me just bring them on. So um, welcome. So let's start with ladies first. Hi, Phoenix. Hi, how are you um, doing today? Great. You have a new book out, right? Is this one fairly new? Yeah, your... just out. Last, uh, April 8th is its official release date. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I yeah. just got it. And it looks like it's like a perfect, almost like a workbook explained yeah. through you through what it is. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I'm excited to read it. And Guion, I know you'd write lots of things too. And you're in like, and both of you actually are in like, are, these are my little Bibles I keep on my desk <laughs> every day. You know, my little stack of, okay, who's today? What's today? Oh yeah, it's a Sabbath. Um, so how did this, you guys, I, I love getting together couples, pagan couples, witch couples. Um, did Give me your story a little bit. Go back and forth. My we, we're romantics in, in, <laughs> my, in my crowd. So were you both on a path and then found each other? Or, or I don't know who wants to go first. Just so it's, it's true enough that we did meet uh, at work. Yes, we were both already on a path. Phoenix had been a witch for a decade or more when we first met. Yeah. And shortly after deciding that we really liked each other a lot, uh, we decided to go to England. That's where I'm from originally. And... We wanted to go to Bath to go to the amazing Roman baths there and, and also learn about the pre-Roman um, activities that happened there. And then we also wanted to go to Glastonbury. Now, Phoenix didn't really know much about Bath at the time, but there we were listening to the little audio program, looking out over this beautiful bath and these beautiful springs and the, the narrator comes on and says something to the effect of Britons have been worshipping here uh, at these springs for more than 10,000 years. And Phoenix burst into tears, recognizing that people just like us had been going to this same place for thousands upon thousands of years. And then we did make it over to Glastonbury. 
and we went right on top of Glastonbury Tor. And if anybody has ever researched it, it's a fascinating place. And there we were standing over the Vale of Avalon, uh, looking out over almost to Wales and the Bristol Channel. And Phoenix said, I'm going to draw down the fog. And sure enough, she stood there, <laughs> arms raised, and the fog came rolling in. So this like meeting at work thing was yeah. only just the very beginning of the story. I mean, that is where really For my people who don't know, um, tell me a little bit about your paths. I know it sounds like you're kind of eclectic in some of your work, but tell me yeah. about your path itself. Let me see my path. Wow. Um, so I, I grew up in England, as I mentioned, and uh, as a kid growing up when I did, I, I was very fortunate. England has an interesting mix of myth and magic and history. So characters from history like you know, Robin Hood or um, Julius Caesar or, you know, they, they sort of lived and walked around England, right? So there's this interesting mix. And so as a kid, there was a place I grew up near called Abbey Wood. And it was called that because there was an old ruined abbey in this, um, in this wood. And my mom worked in a hair salon. Um, she was a beautician. And uh, she would sort of send me off into the woods to go and play by myself. It was relatively safe to do that then. And I would just sort of wander around these woods. And as an imaginative little kid, I, um, you know, I fought dragons and I played with magicians and I pretended the Romans were invading or the Vikings or, you know, whoever it was. And so I, I was always fascinated by the fairy folk, the good folk, uh, you know, the people in the woods, whoever it was. And then many years later, like I said, I discovered Buddhism. And then when I went back to England with Phoenix, uh, dived right into uh, the occult and magic. And it felt just tremendously like home in all senses of the word. I knew I'd arrived somewhere at a practice that would stay with me for years and years. And it has done. You know, it's well over 20 some odd years now that I've been a practicing witch. And similarly to Phoenix, I'm a teacher in the reclaiming tradition um, and ritualist. Uh, I uh, studied Druidry for some time. Uh, and then uh, most recently, uh, I'm also a second degree uh, Gardnerian Wiccan uh, and a, a, an absolute avid reader of all things occult, Patty. So um, yeah, just if it's out there, I want to read it and experience it and try it. So I, I love it. So um, how, how does it affect you? So you guys are a couple and mm -hmm. how does it, how does the craft, your belief system, your practices um, help your day-to-day -day life? Like we do have to live in this mundane world, world, our muggle world. And do they, do you really stick to your practices and ritual? I'm a big believer in ritual too. That's why I'm so excited to, to I think we lost ritual with everything oh, went yeah. so left brain logic and we lost the dragons and the fairies and the magic and the yeah. ritualistic thing. So, so is it, do you guys wake up and like dance naked around a bonfire or anything? Pretty much. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also run a metaphysical shop. So there is a lot of magic in our mundane, you know, that we, we talk to a lot of people that this is new or they're just learning about crystals or they want to buy a candle for health or whatever. So, so a lot of our life is really infused with that magic spirit. Uh, but I think that remembering to 
see magic in the everyday, to see beauty and mystery and things that bring wonder is what it's all about. It's That's like what witchcraft is, right? So I try, I work really hard to experience wonder on a daily basis. Mm. Grian, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, our life is pretty magical. Um, so yes, there are absolutely times when we dance naked around a bonfire <laughs> in our back garden. And there are times when it's too cold to dance outside around a bonfire in our back garden. And so we parade around the house. But our life really is filled with ritual. Um, where I'm sitting right now in our house, as I look directly across from me, there is a big altar. Uh, it sits on top of our herb cabinet. So we've got every kind of mason jar, that, an old spaghetti sauce jar that you can imagine filled with any number of magical herbs that we use when we cook, when we do spell work. And on top of that altar, it is dedicated to the Greek god Dionysus, who works with us a lot in this home. And if I just look a little bit more to the uh, left, we uh, over our fireplace, we have an altar to the uh, Eastern European and Slavic um, character, goddess, witch, Baba Yaga. Mm -hmm. uh, if I look over again, we've got a big altar for our ancestors. So every day we say hello to our ancestors, whether they're um, relatives of ours who have died and passed away or whether they are um, uh, mentors in the craft. So either people that we've personally known or or, you know, uh, folks that started a tradition or a lineage. And we pay attention to that every day. Uh, we clean those altars regularly. We've got a money altar. I can't think of a part of our house that hasn't got some kind of altar where we don't do some sort of daily ritual. And sometimes that's just as simple as walking past and putting our hand on the altar uh, or throwing a few pennies from our pockets into our money jar in a money spell that we have constantly going on our money altar. So yeah, our life is pretty magical. And for anyone that's listening that's new to witchcraft, I will tell you, if you are dating a witch and you've just discovered that they're a witch, if there's a rock in the window, don't touch it. <laughs> if there's like a little pile of ash by the front door, don't sweep <laughs> it up. These are all magical things. These witches know what they're doing. <laughs> yes. did, did you have that issue when you were first dating? Did you move a rock? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, there were a few things that I said, what's this? And Phoenix would just look at me and go, never mind. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so tell us about, what. okay, let's start with you, uh, Phoenix. Tell us about a little bit about this book, where it came from. Again, I wish I would have got a little sooner, but yeah, it really goes through step-by-step -step tools yeah. and Thing. So tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I really wish I had had in my early practice was more concrete directions on how to perform ritual. You know, like every book out there has got rituals in them and it tells you what to say and when to light the candle. But there's nuance to ritual that I didn't feel like I was doing it right. And then when I would attend public ritual, it was like these this mind blowing experience and there was these transitions and song and raising energy that it just didn't feel the same when I was doing it on my own. And I thought, you know, what is it that these folks know that I don't? And the reclaiming tradition of witchcraft, really, I, I owe that entire book to, to that tradition because I w was raised as a priestess through the reclaiming tradition. I learned how to help 
create public ritual. I learned how to priestess different roles in ritual. I learned about the nuance and the transition and writing intentions. And so this book really is a, almost a love letter to the reclaiming tradition. It's a, a thank you for the experience that I've gained. And I hope that it helps newer folks create really beautiful ritual because ritual should be beautiful. It should be fulfilling. It should awaken something and move something within us. Um, and if you're just reading a ritual out of a book, you might not have that experience. It might, it might feel a little more dry. And so I hope that this book helps to sort of water the process mm. and help people sink more into the, the mystery of it. I think that's beautiful. So just for anybody who doesn't know, can you kind of explain if you, we, we keep saying reclaiming? Yeah. Can you tell people what that is a little bit if they're going, what's reclaiming? Yeah. So the reclaiming is a tradition of witchcraft. It started in the 70s in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, if you've heard of Starhawk or read any writings by Starhawk, uh, she's one of the originators of this tradition. Um, and now you can find reclaiming witches all over the world. There are witch camps that happen all over the world. Each community kind of has its own little flavor. There are, you know, different, the Portland community and the LA community and the Minneapolis community, they're all a little bit different. Uh, but the basic tenets of how we practice are the same. Uh, and we all agree to abide by the principles of unity, which is the only document that reclaiming witches have agreed on since their inception in the 70s. Um, you know, and so if you're curious about reclaiming, definitely reclaiming.org is the, the main website where you can find local community and connect. But um, it's, it's a feminist, eclectic, ecstatic tradition of witchcraft. That's beautiful. Yeah. So if, if, if somebody's listening and um, maybe they're new to the craft or curious about the craft, um, and would you suggest they try to find a group or create a coven or find a like a metaphysical store or a cult store or something like that, or just start on your own? And <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, you know, all the above. Yes, yes, yes and yes is the <laughs> answer exactly to that. That's exactly what I was going to say, all of the above. <laughs> so I will say, here are the differences, I think. If you're brand new to witchcraft, if you are sitting somewhere and you've got a couple of books, you know, uh, hidden on your bookshelf or under your pillow because you don't want anybody to find them necessarily just yet, that's a great way to begin. Absolutely a fabulous way to begin. There's so much to learn. There are so many brilliant authors out there, brand new authors. I think one of the most exciting things in witchcraft right now is that um, it's becoming, how do I say this, uh, informal. And I, what I mean by that, when Phoenix writes, it's like having a conversation with a friend. So it's not like trying to read an academic book. And there are some brilliant academic books out there as well. Um, and they have their purpose for sure. But um, there are a lot of fantastic books written by people that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s that have been practicing. And so I think that's a really great way to begin a practice. Then try those things. Try anything in that book, anything that you think is fun or scary or um, seems like it's up your alley. Try it. It's absolutely brilliant. Then the next scary thing is try and connect with somebody else whether that's a local coven or a local group, go to a public ritual, um, go to a festival. There's lots of pagan or witchy festivals out there. Try that and see what it's like in community. I think Phoenix said this really well. 
I have to tell you this funny story about our kids. So our kids got out of school at different times. And so we would sit and we would pick up one kid and then we'd have to wait about 20 minutes until our other child got out of class. And while we would sit there waiting, we would read the witch's Bible by um, uh, Gavin and Janet Farrar, right? So we would read this book while we were waiting and we'd be reading these rituals. And they're really good rituals, but they're a bit dry because I think they were written in probably, I don't know, the early 80s or something like that. Great stuff, but not very sort of user-friendly. But when you practice rituals and you can see those things in that book actually happening, they're fantastic. They're really brilliant. So my advice, be a solitary practitioner, read everything you can, go out onto your patio or into your back garden or into your living room, wherever it is, run around in the woods, be a witch, do all the things (laughs) that you think are witchy, and then go see if you can do it with another group of people and see if it's different. It usually is. That's beautiful. Well, it is. And I agree wholeheartedly. It, it, it's approachable now. It's you, you don't have to have 12 degrees of, to understand what, yeah. whatever is. And it is. I mean, everything that I've read, it's like the, the largest growing belief system in America right now. Yeah, true. Yeah. I, which is, is beautiful because it's to take responsibility, whatever path on it you are, it's to take responsibility if you are responsible for yourself. And I think we need that. You know, mm-hmm. times are scary. I, I say this often, times are scary. And people traditionally would go back to your traditional religion, church, temple, whatever. That's not keeping up for everybody. So that's why the upstream and, and new age and witchcraft and everything. Yeah. Um, I even go next level because I live in the ghosty world. Some people who don't even want spirituality or witchcraft they're becoming paranormal investigators and That's right. let's go hunt yeah. ghosts instead I, I i don't need religion or spirituality but i want to know there's something more than i see on tv every day mm. but this 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 rise in the craft to me for for our youth right now it could not be better yeah, could not be better. And yeah. it is. They're simple. But I started out the simplest, simplest decades and decades ago. I was raised on Scott Cunningham. You, yep. you could not yep. have a simpler book. This is Earth. Ma- the, uh, yep. And I did exactly what you said, Gleon. I would do this and this, and then you find people to do it with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Funny think- story. I'll tell you. Scott Cunningham obviously died in the mid 1980s. Tr- yeah. Tremendous loss. But what an incredible author of it. I- <sighs> He wrote so many books in such a short period of time and many of them hold up really well, you know, 40 years later, some of them not so much, but, um, but I will tell you, as Phoenix said, we own a metaphysical shop and those books still fly off the shelf. They are still as popular today as they were, maybe even more so. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they do. He, he continued writing books for years after he died. Yes. <laughs> he like Scott Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted, um, to, I wanted to just say really quickly, I think that public ritual can be a really good way to take a leap because I'm super shy and introverted. And uh, when I was in my early 20s, it was even more so. It was like painfully shy. And a public ritual gave me an opportunity to go and attend and do witchcraft with other people where I could still sort of be anonymous, you know, like people may not know me, I, I didn't have to stand out in the crowd, I could sort of blend in. And so like pagan conferences, festivals, public rituals give you this opportunity to try things out without having to really put yourself 
in the center of it all. And so, you know, if, if it is something you're looking to do or you want to take the next leap with ritual, I would really recommend public ritual. It's a way to, to be a little less scared. Thank you. And it, and it is everywhere now. I always yeah. felt spoiled because I live in Los Angeles and the bigger cities were more liberal, more open to everything. But now and I, I'm on the road as often as I'm not. And it's everywhere with yeah. con- mm-hmm. this and that. So so you can find public rituals somewhere. There is some little metaphysical occult crystals, something store. And 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 they've always got this big and ever growing witch section. So yep. it's true. It's it's good. Um, what, let's talk about, because I know you both write for these and agree on a lot, the use of these fabulous almanacs, these day-to-day things. Explain what this is for anybody who doesn't know what, like what? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Llewellyn is the publisher. They put out two or three different almanacs or daily journals or calendars that you can use. And they're really great reference tools. We have on our bookshelf, I think we've got I don't know, 25 years worth of these almanacs. And so it's actually a tremendous honor for us to be in them, right? To to have contributed to them. I never would have imagined that 20 years ago. It's, it's incredible. But they're really like, um, I don't know, uh, a daily check-in. What's happening in the stars this week? What food is associated with the month of May? Hey, Beltane is coming up sometime soon. What's the history of Beltane? What can I do on Beltane? And those almanacs, the 2023 Witches Compendium and the Sabbaths, they're all about exactly that, sort of what's happening in the world at the time, in the witchy world at the time, and how you can plug into it. So great ideas for practice. Yeah, and they're really great stories in World Witten. What you just said, 25 years, I pulled out. I don't get rid of them. So yeah. you don't get to follow the moon cycles and everything. But my oldest one I found is 2011. And nice. I keep it right by my neck because there's, you know, you're not going to get the right exact date of the Sabbath, but there's just... you beautifully written so you guys don't think you're just getting a calendar that tells you when the new moon or the full moon or even just the main sabbaths they're full of amazing information by amazing writers yeah yeah Yeah, and the ritual that was written for beltane in 2011 you could still use in 2023 if you really dig it you know of course yeah yeah they're great resources Yeah. yeah So the other book I don't have that we had, the, the other one, uh, tell me about it. That, oh, okay, that one's a good one too. That's one of yours, Phoenix. That's not the one I was talking about, but let's go there. Yeah. What's this? Which is Heretics and Warrior Women is really a deep dive into the history and ancestry of powerful women. Uh, and in the book, I specifically dig into nine different women that may have been considered witches or the mythology around their stories is that they're witches but ultimately they were heretics they were heretical they did things outside of the status quo and so that book's really sort of a call to anyone who feels like they don't fit into the mainstream that they don't want to fit into the mainstream uh just an acknowledgement that if you call yourself a witch congratulations you're a rebel right so it's just encouraging people to step into that more and to use the the stories of these nine different women as a connection point and a jumping off point and an inspiration point. So are these famous women we would have heard of or the the lady next, all all famous? Yeah, Yeah, so um, women like uh, Marie Laveau, Harriet Tubman, uh, the only non-human is Circe. Circe is actually the reason this book got written. She sort of 
tasked me to do it. Uh, but Mary Magdalene is one of them. Um, of course, now that I'm Anne on Boleyn. Anne Boleyn, yes. So different women from across history that we may look back on their stories and go, oh, they were witches, even though they might not have called themselves that. They were right. radical. Right. Yeah. They were powerful. They yes. did things. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, that looks fascinating. And the other one that just popped up that I didn't get the name in time. Well, there's a candle on it. Aha. Yeah. So tell us about that one. That you guys did that together. We did. We yeah. did. Yeah, this was um, it was a fun project. And it really so we've talked a lot about ritual, right? And sort of the everyday life. And what we realized was uh, both as long, long term practitioners of the craft that uh and you mentioned this as well patty earlier on that in many cases in typical day-to-day -day kind of american culture and really this is true in much of europe as well um we've lost a lot of rites of passage and marking big events we we do honor things like births and marriages and deaths right um, maybe things like, depending on the, you know, religion that you grew up in, maybe there's like a bar mitzvah when you turn a certain age or you get confirmed, you know, something yeah. like that. But generally speaking, we don't really celebrate rites of passage, but every single one of us goes through rites of passage. Some of them are biological, you know, we all grow old, um, and we'll die at some point as sad as that is, it's a rite of passage. Um, many people will choose to be coupled with somebody or be in some form of partnership. And sometimes those end. And what we realized was there are thousands, thousands of rituals that we can do. And a ritual often sounds a bit scary, but really all a ritual is, is carving out a moment from ordinary life and ordinary time and making it sacred. So sitting down for dinner, practically every culture does this. If they sit down to eat, they often say a blessing. That doesn't make the meal any more delicious. It doesn't make it any more special. It doesn't make it taste any better. But it does make that moment sacred, right? It's just this moment in time where we say, we are here. We are sharing this food. I acknowledge you. You acknowledge me, right? And it's, it's just this moment. So this book, Life Ritualized, we came up with over 60 rituals, 60 moments that any single person can do, uh, either individually, as a family, as a coven, as a public ritual, where people can come together and celebrate some of life's most important moments. And there are literally things in there like when a kid gets a driver's license, or when your cat dies, or... Um, when you have a miscarriage or when you, when the kids finally move out of the house and it's just the two of you and you're like, it's our house again. What now? You know, <laughs> all of these moments that we can ritualize and value. And similar to the book that Phoenix just wrote, there's a lot of open space in the book for you, Patty, to do the ritual the way you want to do it. We give his suggestions and we tell a lot of stories from our personal life and our personal rituals um, so that you can find the place that you plug in. But I think the most important part of the book is to really honor and acknowledge these moments that maybe culturally we don't have referenced on how to do. You know, we have, we have wedding ceremonies 
things, but to really put something through a gives it more importance. It makes you actually stop and pause and over culture doesn't really show us how to do that or make space for that. So in this book, we really wanted like pausing and doing something formal to ritualize a change or that's happening in your world. Uh, so, you know, I feel like the two books really go well, <laughs> but it, you know, it is all about ritual. That's beautiful. So do you encourage, which it sounds like you guys have done, you know, creating tradition out of ritual, whether it's family tradition, yeah. tribe tradition. And, cause... Yeah, yeah, it's really true. We have. And it's so funny now looking back, you know, because our kids are all grown now. And uh, it's interesting what they've retained. Right. So one of our we have three children uh, between between us and one of our kids uh was raised all three of them were raised kind of in the pagan world and one said nah it's not for me and one was like yep i'm a witch and the other one i think just sort of says well this is how i am this is who i am and kind of goes through life that way but what's interesting is when when they come over for dinner or we're celebrating some time of year or a birthday um, they want some of those traditions that they have growing up that are all very much related to witchcraft because they miss them. They're part of their their upbringing, you know. So, um, uh, you know, one of our kids, the one that said, no, I don't really, it's not for me. When that kid moved into uh, a house, they wanted a house blessing and they wanted like um, herbs to burn in the house. And like yeah. that was just normal to okay. them. That wasn't witchcraft. That was just normal. That's what you do when you move into a house. So it's kind of interesting how they've all incorporated it. Oh, I think that's beautiful. So be before we go, because I want everybody to find out all the ways they can find out about you. What do you think people is the biggest either misconception about being a witch or ritual living our life? The biggest misconception, um, if that's not too big of a question. And then again, the biggest benefit. I think the biggest benefit, Patty, that I have had over the years, certainly there's community. Certainly there's friends. Um, there's a tremendous amount of fun. You know, I think um, there's a great book out there called Do I Have to Wear Black by an author whose first name is Mortellus. And I think there's this, this misconception that we walk around upset all the time, angry, cursing people left, right and center, only wearing black, coming out at midnight. Um, <laughs> And while some of those things might be true some of the time, yeah. um, right? Uh, it's not true all the time. Uh, no. And so for me, there's a tremendous amount of joy in the craft. There's a tremendous amount of color in the craft. Um, I think about this time of year, Beltane is coming up really soon. And I think of all those colored ribbons on, on uh, maypoles and the colors of food. I think the biggest thing that the craft has taught me is to be present in the moment. I'm not praying to a God about an afterlife. I'm not worried about what happens next because frankly, I don't know and I won't know until I get there. And hopefully if I've lived a good life, um, maybe there's something wonderful at the end. But if there isn't anything wonderful at the end and it's just, you know, I return to the universe and the universe makes use of my body in what, whatever way it wants to, that's fabulous. Um, I will have had just a tremendous amount of fun and the craft for me is fun. I love doing magic. I love practicing magic. I love talking about magic. I love doing <laughs> spells. 
bells. I love cooking. I love dancing around fires. I love all of it. What's not to love? Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. It because uh, I was raised without really formalized religion too, and so at thirteen I decided I wanted because I kind of had this sight of seeing stuff. I wanted to try every religion, and this was the funnest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. by awesome. far. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's go here. Yeah. Um, that is, yeah, I ha- want to have fun, be a witch. And what you had m- mentioned, both mentioned about the awareness of Earth and the planet. We need that right now so we don't blow sure. ourselves up. We do. Taking responsibility and things. So, yeah. um, you guys, this is great. I'm going to have to have you back once I get the books, read the books, more of it. But tell everybody where they can find you guys together and separate anything you guys have coming up. Uh, coming up, we will both be in Atlanta in July at the Mystic South Conference. We each have one or two workshops that we'll be doing, and we're also putting on a public ritual at that event. So you can come and see the both of us there. You can find us at thewitchesnextdoor.com. Uh, uh, which is our collective website. And so you can listen to our podcast there and literally... What we do, Patty, is we sit across the kitchen table from each other, usually with a glass of wine or two, and we just chat about all things witchy. And it's great when Phoenix gets on her soapbox and goes for a (laughs) rant. Those are the best bits about the show. Um, And then uh, you can find me at guionraven.com, and you can find Phoenix at phoenixlefay.com. Yeah. And then, you know, on all the social media things, type in Guion Raven and you'll find me. Type in Phoenix LeFay and you'll find Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for bringing your beautiful, beautiful magic to the Witching Hour. You guys like them, follow them, see them at wherever they're going and have fun. So thank you. Thank you, Guion. Thank you, Phoenix. Um, I'm excited to to get to know both of you. Thanks. Thanks, Patsy. It was really wonderful meeting you. It's really lovely. Bye.